Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Welcome back to Wellington Access Radio on 106.1 FM, and this is B Side Stories. I'm Sadie, and we have Susan Paris here, who, along with Kate de Goldie, is one of the editors of the annual book, books, two books. Two books. <laughs> um, a lot of you have probably seen these, especially if you frequent the children's bookshop out in Kilburnie or any other good bookshops around town. What can you tell me about annual? Um, well, there, as you say, there's two of them, and uh, it's been quite a long project. So the first one was published last year, last September, and we've just released a second one um, this September. And... Uh, yeah, the work began on them about three years ago. There's quite a lot of planning that goes into them. And it's a yeah, it's a long, slow process. It's quite a big project. It involves a lot of contributors. So it's I guess a, we should describe what they are yeah, quickly, that's actually, right. and just in case everybody isn't on the same page. So the second <laughs> annual, we decided to take the bold move and um, claim ownership of it being a New Zealand publication. And it says a New Zealand miscellany. So basically... It's like the annuals of the past, uh, people maybe f- f- growing up in the 30s and 40s remember annuals quite fondly, they okay, used to get them I at grew Christmas up in the time. 70s, and yeah. I remember them quite fondly. <laughs> so I grew up in the 70s too, and we sort of caught the tail end of it when annuals had gone from being the girls' own and the boys' annual, they were pretty... They were pretty reductive, quite sexist publications, actually. And um, and then by the time the 70s rolled around, there was a lot of Enid Blyton annuals. And these days, actually, there are still ones like New Direction and uh, things tied kind of branding exercises, actually. So we were drawn to the form of an annual, which is um, it's all about variety. So they contain work by, well, our one does, work by, you know, multiple authors. There's over 40 people in them. And um, that work in itself um, covers a whole lot of different forms. So there's poems and stories and um, music, craft, hijinks, we like to call it, which is basically a word we use. There's quite a lot of nonsense in this second annual, like a, a really a playful spirit, I guess you could say, which is something that we're both quite drawn to like the variety of experience um, doesn't always have to be about the the fiction serious fiction so there's variety within the fiction as well what sort of age are you aiming at um, so the um, it's aimed at middle what we call middle readers so that sort of loosely means nine to 13 year olds um, although on the back it does say for everyone else and we sort of really do actually mean that part because I guess you know, good material doesn't really know any kind of banding or categorising. Um, and so the middle reader is uh, is an age group that really interests both of us. Um, uh, I guess we we see it as a as a as a group that's possibly underrepresented. And in the bookshops, there's a lot of um, series books from overseas. Um, I won't name check all the usual suspects, but um, and you know we don't diss those books. Or um, you know, my son happily reads the four hundredth Treehouse Emergency and enjoys himself immensely. And you know, I can see why. But I guess we felt like we wanted to 
to um, provide a different kind of reading experience for kids in that age group, something that um, worked on a number of levels, not just sort of comic light stuff that worked on the easy laughs and, and didn't necessarily explore language and character and all the things that you find as a matter of course in books for adults. So I guess you would have brought your experience at the school journal to bear on choosing the sort of and, and curating. Um, yeah, so that's my day job, editing the school journal. And it's true that, you know, that was a, it was a very, it, and it still is a really worthwhile experience when it comes to working on the annual, I guess because I've got the contacts with, with writers and illustrators. But, um, and, you know, the publishing experience to know how to actually put a book like this together. Um, and I suppose, too, this, uh, there's a certain... New Zealandness about both publications, which is kind of like a different, a difficult thing to, to define. Um, but uh, when the when the journal first sort of came into its own in the 1940s, there was a real uh, a real shift in wanting to explore what it means to live here and to be a New Zealander in all its all its variety of experience, and that's something that the annual endeavours to do as well. It must be really difficult to make sure you're kind of covering all the bases you want to cover. Uh, we were constantly, Kate used to keep these really crazy lists where she'd have North Island, South Island, male, female, um, somewhere in between that experience, uh, towns and cities. Um, we just, we did, we always spoke about what the gaps might be and we were very focused on ensuring that the variety was going to be there. And in lots of ways, that's a really liberating way to work because it means there's no rules and, you know, anything's possible. And once we had... So everything in this annual was commissioned like the school journal. So that meant we um, we had some writers that we uh, wanted to work with um, and we approached them with ideas and then also we, we actually did come up with ideas that we backfilled and found people to do them for us. You know, we worked in two different ways. Right. Yeah. Did you have people approaching you, particularly for the second one? Uh, to it? Not so much, yeah. No, we didn't really. Okay. And um, so we got Creative New Zealand funding for both of the annuals. We got sort of quite a significant amount, which was... Um, you know, quite we were kind of struck dumb to start with because it felt like quite a large responsibility, but that money was sort of spread quite widely amongst a lot of people. So that paid for all of the contributors, the authors and illustrators as well as the as well as the designer. The design's quite beautiful actually. Yeah, it's a it's a, not a job for the faint hearted. Like it's over a hundred and fifty pages long and marshalling all the content like variety is one thing when you're when you're gleefully commissioning, but then when it comes to putting it inside two covers and giving it a certain a certain kind of look and feel so that it doesn't feel um, I guess shambolic it's yeah so the second annual was designed by uh gary stewart a guy who's got a design studio in lyle bay all right yeah it's quite a wellington production um yeah so there's there's about mm, about 17 she says 17 contributors from wellington Mm -hmm. yeah and 
Uh, another thing that's kind of interesting is that we were really keen to not have completely recognisable names working in the children's literature field. So they're definitely there. And um, they're there because, you know, we admire their work and, um, uh, you know, kids want to read kids want to read them. Uh, but we also, uh, we told Creative New Zealand that one of the things we wanted to do was provide a platform for people who are new writers that have somewhere to go to be published. Like, so there's quite a lot of change happening at the moment in the publishing scene and options are squeezing in and becoming quite limited. So one thing that was really important to us was that the, the annual would be a way for writers to find an audience and the other, um, the other thing we were keen to do was to commission uh, authors who are better known for writing for adults, uh, which is something I've been doing in the school journal for a little while. It just suddenly occurred to me one day, you know, why isn't uh, Lloyd-Jones writing for children or uh, Steve Brawnius writing right. for children? Yeah, why are we all sort of yeah, segregated off into your That's areas? right. And so there's that really wonderful element of supply, surprise that you get when you when you use someone that is unexpected for the reader as well as for ourselves. What a great opportunity for those writers. Yes, that's right. And um, we had amazing, amazing uptake on the, on the, you know, on the offers for work. Um, pretty much other than just, you know, the odd person, most people said yes and, and did amazing work for us. Right. Well, so you had 40 contributors. Was that on each of the annuals, or, so was it 80 or... Yeah, yeah, so but, but both annuals have sort of 40 different people in them. There's a tiny bit of crossover, but again, sort of trying to stick with our original aim of providing a place for, you know, people to be published. We, I guess we wanted to spread the, spread the work around. A and again, to sort of avoid being predictable or doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Um, can you give some examples of the sorts of things we're going to find in here? Um, well, actually, one thing I was, uh, one person I was thinking of who is in both annuals is an illustrator who lives on the Kapiti Coast, a guy called Gavin Mouldy, and he does these really fabulously dense, um, incredibly inventively conceived illustrative pieces. I think Gavin's probably quite famous in these parts for his um, Island Bay tea towel. Yeah, that's the man. <laughs> and um, so the second time around, we um, we met him for a coffee, which is how all, all work seems to begin. And we gave him a couple of half-baked ideas. Um, I, if I remember rightly, one of them was the idea of Captain Cook waiting in a queue at a money machine, which isn't really an idea at all. It's just an, it's just an image that <laughs> amused us. And Kate Shepard standing um, at a sausage, sausage sizzle on a Saturday morning outside Pack and Save. And uh, so we sort of threw this half-baked information at, not even information, I don't even know what it was, something, <laughs> something that we felt had potential. And this was the great way that the commissioning worked. Um, you would give you would give um, the beginnings of an idea to someone and they would take it away and make it completely their own. So Gavin came back after several months with this incredible four-page, uh, four, eight-page piece 
where he pretends that New Zealand's been caught in a wormhole and historic matter has been spat out of time. So the opening spread is an image of a whole lot of really stressed people in a civil defence headquarters and there's a, a board where you have to find some key people who are missing. Happily, Kate Shepard and um, <laughs> Captain Cook are among them. And then it, he's turned it into this really exceptional kind of indigenous Where's Wally piece. How neat to see your daydream realised. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's very <laughs> gratifying. Um, and there's a there's an original song by Beck Runger, which is pretty amazing, um, the first annual had a song written by Sam Scott called Always On Your Phone, which was this very upbeat, catchy number. And uh, Beck has written uh, this very beautiful, delicate song about happiness. Uh, it's instantly recognisably by her. And, uh, yeah, we forget to talk about it enough, actually. So you can actually hear it. We've got a website, so you can hear the recording okay. of her singing the song on the website. And then inside the annual, there's the lyrics and the and the, music. the music so that right. kids can play it either on a keyboard or a guitar. Great. Um, and there is... Stories by um, there's one really great story by um, a Wellington writer called Michael Petherick. It's called Community Notice Board, and it the beginning place for it again is kind of inventive. I've often looked at the community notice boards at supermarkets with all their handwritten little notices pinned over them and thought, you know, what potential there was there for story and what would happen if the people in those notices. Um, made contact with one another and then if you know members of the public made contact so Michael wrote about 20 um, different notices of the type that you might find and many that you actually wouldn't has to be said on a notice board and then from there a story unfolds through emails and text messages Oh, cool. I mean, well, sometimes you wish you will find something on there that's a kind of mysterious message. Yeah, that's right. So, so he, he did an amazing job of, um, you know, putting together a kid who's offering art lessons um, with a retired wrestler who wants to teach kids how to wrestle and, you know, great things happen there. Um, and there's... There's craft, there's a piece called Screensavers where there's um, a knitting pattern for a knitted digestive system, which <laughs> works. We tested it. Um, and there is, there's also quite an interesting piece. It's, it's sort of a spoof on an interview. It's called Never Say Goodbye, The Art of Taxidermy. And um, it's it's a... It's a piece that when you read it, if you're a kid, and actually some adults too, you can't quite tell if it's real or not. And that was sort of done on purpose. We wanted to sort of walk a fine line between, um, I guess, teasing the reader, but also providing an you know, an interesting reading experience. And that's been, that's, that's received quite a lot of polarised opinion, actually. Some people think it's kind of unfair that children might read it and not know if it's true or not. And one child we know of read it and it was like, and her response was like, why, why would you make something up like that? And I, I guess, you know, we welcome stuff like that because it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea to to expose children to that you can't believe everything that you read. Definitely, <laughs> fake news, fake news, exactly. <laughs> so, have you had much feedback from children? Um. One interesting thing that we've um, been told 
well, I guess from kids via their parents, is that because it's not a daunting book, it's not this wall of chapters and page after page of text. It's very, very visual, and it's designed to be dipped into, and you can find your way from piece to piece and settle on a piece or flick over a piece. And uh, lots of kids who are reluctant readers are responding really well to that. They don't feel daunted. They feel... Um, they feel somehow that it's a book that they can cope with. And that's that's something really nice to hear because, you know, of course you want those kids to be reading and to feel that it's something that they can manage on their own. And the visual, all the, the visual material in there is also really interesting because in a way you're um, being taught how to read pages that don't, that don't necessarily have text, like the Gavin Mouldy piece is a really good example of that. Yeah. Right, but it's still narrative. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we're kind of really interested in different ways of telling story. Yeah, cool. Um, why do you think this book is important now and in New Zealand? Um, well, I guess it's really important because it is a New Zealand publication. And as I was sort of mentioning before, there's a lot of material that floods in from overseas that is quite an easy sell in the bookshops and why would you not support material written by New Zealanders and illustrated by New Zealanders and it's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting take on on what it is to live here and seeing our culture on the page lots of material for kids is is kind of uh, picture books especially there's Kiwis <laughs> all over the show and native birds and you know there seems to be these old tropes that people return to over and over for kids and it can get pretty old hat um so I guess that's one one strength of it sure and I saw that you're also trying to encourage children to do their own writing um well I guess from reading good writing, it inevitably inspires you to want to have a go on your own. So yeah, that would be yeah. that would be definitely a very happy outcome. And we also have got um, teacher notes on the website that can be downloaded for free because we've sort of suddenly seen the potential of this as a resource in the classroom for teaching creative writing. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, don't have too much longer, but I was interested that you started out with Gecko Press and then with the second annual you've self-published. What led to that decision? Um, well, I guess, uh, you know, as I was saying at the beginning, it's it's a really enormous project and um, Gecko Press did an amazing job with the first one and to take us on, like, you know, it's it's a large project and it needed the backing of a company that would see that it made it through to publication. Uh, but I guess also they had uh, their own brand and their own ideas about what they what they did in that space, and and that's fair enough. But I we sort of felt like it would be interesting to have no boundaries around what we wanted to do. And because we were putting so much time into it, I guess projects like these are only satisfying if you feel that there are no that there are no parameters. Right. Okay. Well, that's a, an interesting leap to have made and well done. <laughs> um, so what's the address of your website so that we can all go and have uh, a look? So it's um, annualannual.com. Okay, great. And yep. 
are there plenty of the book around if we? I, was, I mean, I think it's an. I've got my copy already, but it's an ideal Christmas present, really. Uh, both of them. That's that's yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of the intention. That that's what annuals were originally mm. about. But obviously, we would hope that it would extend well beyond yeah, by Christmas. Any time. Exactly. Yeah. There's no rules around this, <laughs> and it's available in. It's pretty much in all of the bookshops. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it's a lovely thing. I can. Actually, I did buy it for my daughter, but, <laughs> you know, I'm taking ownership as well. And um, yeah. also, I, I guess it's not necessarily, I think it's the perfect present for the 30-year-old or 25-year-old brother that you just can't think what to buy. Mm. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Susan. No problem. Really interesting. Yeah, great to hear. <laughs> great to hear about about um, the journal from behind the scenes kind of thing. Yeah, lots of people are, are, are sort of surprised that it's still going, but it's going strong. Going strong. Yeah, and you've got 100 years old. More than 100 years old, 110. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. next year, 111? Next year, 111. Oh, there's some kind of symmetry there. <laughs> one, one, one. Freaky, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to B-Side Stories this week on 106.1 FM, Wellington Access Radio. That program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks, New Zealand On Air, for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.